just so you know, we don't actually care about Coke uh, at all. However, with it being, whoa, easy, easy. All right, didn't know. Yeah, I know Pepsi was made in North Carolina, you know, originated, so there's a little bit of a, a thing there. As long as we can agree that soda should never be called pop, we'll be, we'll be okay. I lived in Ohio for almost 10 years, so it's a whole, it's a whole thing for me. I figured that as we are ending this series called Jumpstart and it's Super Bowl Sunday, also uh, Palindrome Day and Groundhog Day as well, all kinds of things going on today, that it would uh, make sense to kind of talk about our faith, how we're faithful in our circumstances, and using uh, fandom as kind of an interesting way to illustrate that and how that impacts our life. But uh, actually, before I jump into that, there's something that I would love to share with you uh, that happened this week. Uh, this week, yeah, some of you know, because you've, you've been here, some of you are new and like, had no clue this was going on. Um, but we, uh, a while ago, said that we were putting out uh, a, a job, a request for resumes for a job for uh, someone to come in and work with our youth and outreach here at this church. Wanted to let you know that uh, out of all the resumes that we received, we received one that kind of stuck uh, out among the rest, and we actually made an offer uh, to someone that was accepted uh, this past week, and so wanted to update you on that. Um, <clears throat> pretty excited. Uh, this person has had the opportunity to visit our church, and uh, they're really excited about being here. They love what we're about, and uh, they're, they're chomping at the bit to get here and be a part of that. Now, I'm not sharing as much detail as I would like to share with you today because I want to be sensitive because they're actually uh, letting their congregation know this morning that they are moving on to come join us. So it's kind of a whole, whole thing. Uh, and so we'll share more details next Sunday about, about all that, but we want to be sensitive uh, to them and their connections and family and all that kind of stuff uh, for those things. But I was excited, and I wanted to share that with you. So there you go. Here's, uh, here, here's what we're going to be talking about this morning with this last, last message. Um, we're going to be talking about being faithful in every circumstance. And, and to me, fandom is a, is a great picture of that, especially when you talk about bandwagon fans. And you, you know, like, if, if you like sports at all, you know bandwagon fans are a whole thing. Uh, they, bandwagon fans, for example, do and say some very specific particular things. For example, uh, someone who's a fan of a team just because they like their colors or their logo, probably a bandwagon fan. They're not, like, they're not real. Uh, someone who would leave their team's game early yeah, you're, you're not a real fan. Like, you're, you're just a bandwagon fan. Uh, support your team only during the playoffs. Uh, the Nationals, I just want to say, were, had the worst record in baseball earlier this season and, and it ended up being World Series champions, and I stuck with them all the way through, and I know some of you did in here. It's, you know, you've got to be a real fan. Uh, you're a bandwagon fan if you've never experienced a losing season uh, in your life before, and you might be a bandwagon fan if all of your teams uh, just happen to be also the most successful franchise in sports history. Uh, one of, like one of the badges of honor that comes with being a legit fan of a team is that you know you're going to go through some punishing slow years. Uh, of course, there are some fans that are gluttons for punishment when it comes to their favorite franchises. ESPN put out a list of the top 25 worst franchises at the end of 2019. I don't know if you saw this, but I just want to give you the top five, and I just, I just feel for these, for these fans. All right, the fifth one was the Florida Panthers... In it, <laughs> Florida Panthers NHL team. And I just want to say, like, I didn't even know they existed, uh, but 
a hockey team in Florida, you kind of figure like that, that can't just end well. I mean, that, that's just not going to be a thing that works. Uh, team number four, I was surprised at, that they weren't higher on this list, but team number four was the Cleveland Browns. And everybody goes, oh, yeah, that, that, totally, that totally makes sense. And they had a lot of different uh, things that they used to, uh, as, as reasons why teams uh, were where they are. Number three is the San Diego Padres Major League Baseball team. All right. Some, <laughs> somebody's a fan. Uh, and number two was the Buffalo Bills, which, uh, you know, there's, there's kind of a whole thing. There's kind of a whole thing with that. They lost four Super Bowls in, the row, in a row in the 90s, and so that kind of factored into it. I mean, they had a decent season, I guess, you know, this past year, but lost and didn't go into the playoffs, that, that kind of thing. And number one was, is the Sacramento Kings NBA team. Uh, and it's interesting, like, I, I enjoy the NBA. A lot of you are football fans, and I, I understand that. I enjoy the NBA, and it's interesting, like, how many times you thought the Sacramento Kings could be good, and they just, it just never happened for that franchise. And so while all those fan bases sh- have to be tempted to pick up and, like, change teams, just think about what it will feel like for them when their team is finally successful. Think about the Cubs. And like several years ago, after 108 years, they finally won the World Series and how those fans who had stuck with it through all those years felt uh, when they finally won. It's been 50 years since the Kansas City Chiefs were in the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl. And so they're looking pretty good for the win tonight, I think. How many of you are with me? Kansas City Chiefs, it's going to be, all right, 49ers fans? Anybody? Uh, Yeah, okay. About, about, what I, about what I expected. Uh, but they look pretty good for the win tonight, so I think there's some fans that have been uh, part of the Kansas City Chiefs uh, you know, fandom over the years that are going to be pretty excited tonight. That's what I expect. Um, I'm working on this whole idea of fandom with my son in particular because historically, as a kid, I knew exactly when we were watching a sporting event, whether it was football, basketball, whatever it was on TV, he would want to know who was up in the score. And I knew that whoever was up in the score, that was the team he was going to root for. I mean, that, that was kind of his thing. Now it's kind of turned into he wants to root with the team that, ever, that has the best players. And so uh, that's been interesting because last year he got really interested in the Golden State Warriors uh, for the NBA, and he's really disappointed that they're doing terribly this season. Like the whole, what, Kevin Durant did what? You know, all those things he doesn't understand. Um, and so that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of fun, trying to, t- trying to teach them uh, all those things. Because... Really, if you think about it, fandom is a moral and ethical issue. Uh, and, uh, see, we didn't even laugh because we agree. <laughs> like, this is really serious stuff in our, in our lives. You have to pick something, a team, and stick with it. Like, you can't just jump from team to team. Uh, maybe if your team moves to a different city, that gives you an out. But when you don't stick with your team, you, it leads to having your character questioned. Uh, really, I mean, you know, as a fan, how could you possibly do that? And the reason we feel that way is because we tie the strength of our convictions to our identities. And we don't just do this with sports. We do this with a lot of different things. It could be a band. It could be a favorite store or restaurant. Uh, whatever you uh, really enjoy or love, uh, maybe a particular artist, uh, having a long-running relationship with our preferences, like, builds into our identities. The way that we feel about those things, the strength of our, convic- our convictions uh, build into our identities. And some of those convictions, like, aren't really all that healthy for our identity and how they, how they play into that. It's typically in the extremes when things are going really well, really poorly, that those convictions reveal themselves to be what they truly are, how they're affecting our lives, and whether or not they're well-founded or poorly conceived. 
And that's why when we talk about jumpstarting our faith, or, or maybe for those of you that have been faithful Christians for a long time, maybe it's just continuing to grow in that faith. When we talk about the major categories in life that affect us, faithful circumstances is, is the one that we're ending with because it's the one that brings all those things that we've talked about together. We talked about applying the Bible to our lives. We've talked about the relationships that we have with fellow Christians. We've talked about how we personally are engaged in what God is doing in and among our lives. Uh, we've talked about the spiritual discipline that we put in place in our relationship with God. And the result of all of these ways we start and develop our relationship with God is that as we move through life's up and downs, because we know they're going to come, because we've already experienced them and they continue to come, and the twists and turns and doldrums, or maybe it's chaos, Faith that we need in every circumstance is built on steadfastness with God before those circumstances ever arrive. It's, it's a decision that we make ahead of time because we know those moments are coming in our life. And faithfulness is the choice that we make that predetermines how we respond. It doesn't mean that we're devoid of joy in the good times or mourning in the bad times. It doesn't mean like we just have the steady thing that we don't enter into the, the ways that things affect us uh, emotionally uh, in, our, in our lives. But the overarching theme of how we approach our day-to-day -day and our year-to-year -year is affected by how we put our faith into practice. We know this about ourselves, or, or maybe you don't, maybe uh, subconsciously this is something you know, but we know that the human tendency um, is for the good or bad overwhelming circumstances of our lives to overshadow the constancy of God in us. So when things are going really good, it's just kind of like, oh, this is how it should be. These are the things that are, that are going awesome. And we just assume like these are the things that are owed to us <laughs> in, in our life with God. And we kind of, faith is kind of a thing that kind of sits there and maybe we access a few times a, a year. And then all of a sudden when all the, those things are pulled out from under us, the rug comes out from under us. We look at all the bad circumstances and we think, and how could this possibly be? How could God be letting this happen uh, to my life? It's not how it should be, but God is always questioned when things aren't going well. I mean, it's understandable. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm, I'm there too. I'm, I'm with you. We're, we're in this together. When we look at this and say, God, why is this happening, happening to me in, in my life? Um, but the way that God wants to see his promises fulfilled in us clues us in or in why we can be faithful to him regardless of what's going on in our lives. When we don't know why what's happening to us is happening to us, when we don't see a clear path or even come up with an idea of how the outcome of what's happening in our life could possibly be beneficial or possibly could be a way that God could work in our lives, when all the Bible reading, relationships, prayer, and serving one another seems like they aren't dealing practically with, with, with what's right in front of us, those are the moments that faith is meant for. Those are the moments in which we have divine opportunities to see God's glory at work. And so being faithful regardless of the circumstance at some point in the future means knowing you'll have the benefit of hindsight because you know that God has taken care of it already. And this process of trust fulfilled, it's not only a constant theme of the Bible, uh, but it is the overarching theme of the Bible. No matter how many times we might forget or waver or doubt God's faithfulness in every circumstance, that we see time and time again in scripture is meant to bolster our own confidence. In fact, there's a whole chapter, and many of you know about this chapter in Hebrews chapter 11 that's called the faith chapter, and it's just a list of different examples of how God has been faithful in the circumstance. Now, now, it seems like the focus on the chapter is definitely on the faith of the people that are there and how they had faith in God and how they were amazing people for that. But in reality, what God does is he makes sure 
that their faith is well-founded in their life. Uh, These people are identified not because of their uh, wealth or power or comfort or anything else, but they're identified for their faith they held fast to, particularly when they may have tried to exert control over their lives differently than what God had called them to do. And in each situation, as they were faithful, God's leading became clear in, in their lives. But even then, it wasn't simply about getting the best out of God in those moments. It was about more than that. In Hebrews chapter 11, right like in the middle of that, in verses 13 through 16, we read this. All these people, and so all these examples that were given of Old Testament characters that you might recognize if, if we were to list them out, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had, a better, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And so even though for these people, the culmination of their faith was what they would welcome from a distance, they wouldn't experience it in the immediate presence of their, present of their life, they did so by recognizing that this world is not our ultimate home and that God was preparing a much better place for them. And it's true for us as well. God is always planning something better beyond what we can see. This is true in the good times and the bad. Even the best circumstance that we could possibly find ourselves in in this side of eternity is still not better than God's best. The worst moment that we experience in this life, God is still on the other side, regardless of how we might understand that or come to know how it could be possible, God's promise for us is that he he is planning something better for us in the future. And the thing that makes this so difficult to be faithful in these circumstances, what makes it really impossible for us to hope and trust in, uh, in God through faith is that so often is that rather than looking to that future, being reminded of it and sharing in the joy in that, we look backwards to the past. I mean, it's easy to, I, I do it all the time. I mean, it, it's something that we have to work at. It's something that's, that's difficult, but this is what verses 15 through 16 means. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return because they were looking backwards. It's like, oh, this thing that God has brought me to, like, I'm not so sure about this. So I'm going to look, I'm going to look backward and think about the good times, the old times, you know, maybe they weren't all that good, but at least I was familiar with them and I knew what was going on at that point. Instead, however, verse 16 says, they were looking for something better. They were longing for a better country, a heavenly one, and that's what God fulfills. One of the examples in Hebrews chapter 11 is Abraham. And Abraham is the patriarch of patriarchs for the nation of Israel. If you're not familiar with him, you can check out Genesis chapter 12 uh, through chapter 17 and see uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of what happens with that and how that even plays into part in our faith currently uh, when it comes to our lives as Christians. But he's the patriarch of patriarchs for the nation of Israel. And, and this is the one who, whom God had made uh, the covenant that all mankind would be blessed as a result of the nation of Israel. And this is ultimately uh, culminates in Jesus' birth. All, all mankind would be blessed as a result of his lineage. And Abraham had, had traveled far beyond the boundaries of his home country. He lived in tents on the move, was willing to give up his own son uh, to, because he believed that God would fulfill his promises even if he couldn't understand how. And it wasn't because Abraham was superhuman. 
but it was because he recognized his limitations as a human being and had faith that God is the one who makes up the difference. Faith beyond our circumstances are anchored into the future promises of God. And this longing for a better heavenly country isn't limited to the big picture faith of super Christians, but it's one that Jesus introduces as an ongoing daily walk of life for all of us. The on earth as it is in heaven kingdom of God following of Jesus produces the faith we need to see past the brokenness of our sin, the brokenness of the sin of others, the brokenness of our world, um, to, to, to hope and trust in the future that God promises. There are going to be moments that test us, that tempt us, that push us past the limits of what we have any desire uh, to experience or to endure in life, things that cause us to question why this thing in life is happening to us. But one of the things that we're called to recognize is this is part of the symptom of looking back into the past and having finite view of what's happening in our life. And faith is the gift that enables us to look to the future that God has promised to work out in us and with us, even if we don't understand how it's possible. It's not always easy to do this. One of Abraham's family members is famous for looking back from where they were being taken away from, from God, and turning into a pillar of salt. That's a whole other story that's really interesting <laughs> that you can check out in Genesis. There are people and places and possibilities uh, that, that we can get stuck in time with. That, that is painful, that, like these things that have happened to us in the past is painful, that everyone else is moving on, time is marching on, and we, recognize, we look at that and we think, man, how, how can people be moving on when I've experienced this thing that I'm, I'm stuck in? But faith gives us the view to look forward to the moments that come on the other side. There's so much that happens to us that seems permanent in the moment that in the scope of eternity hold much less power over us than we might first believe. In James chapter 1, um, this, this like, is the quintessential passage that, that really is frustratingly simple that illustrates how God moves through these moments. That, um, and I know I focus more on like, kind of the bad things that, that come up because that often gets us most stuck when it comes to our faith and where we question God. Uh, but it shows the frustratingly simple formula for how waiting uh, for our next win, that maybe that doesn't seem like it's even on the horizon, is already accomplished by simply by the virtue of having faith in the living God. In James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, James writes, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. And so when James says, like, let, let joy be the mindset, let joy be the perspective that guides you, Regardless of what you face, regardless of what circumstance you find yourself in, um, in this, this side of heaven, you, you know, you look at that, at least I look at that, and I think, how can that possibly be the case? I mean, there, there have been some things that I've had to deal with. There are some things that I've had to help some of you deal with and other people deal with that I know that are coming in the future that I think, man, how in the world could I possibly express joy as having anything to do with this situation that, that's happening and that's going on? How can that be the thing that guides me and how I think about this, this thing that's happening, that, that's going on, or maybe has happened in the, in the past? And yet, the process 
Not that we have to work out just, just like just us personally on our, on our own strength, but what God does in and through us, through those things and the constancy that he provides, the, the faith that we know that we can trust, example and example and example that he's always followed through with his people, the faith that they have through him, the people that we can look who sit, who sit next to us, who have had faith in horrible circumstances and yet they're here because God has continued to love and care for them in, in their life and those things have been worked out to the good. Like we get to not only just read those things in the Bible, we get to experience that with people who sit, sit around us. We, we get to be this way, consider it pure joy, and know that the testing of our faith, the things that we wrestle with in this life, lead to something greater because God has always all, already promised to make those ha- things happen in our lives. I mentioned Abraham already, and um, I didn't plan for it to work out this way, but if you've been keeping up with the Core 52 uh, book that we've talked about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go to velocitychurch.info and click on the Core 52 uh, card. Um, one of the things that, that is talked about is exactly uh, what I'm in, in that reading is exactly what I'm uh, about to, to share about Abraham's life. And uh, I just thought that was a really cool, uh, cool thing that happened this week. But one of the things that God does with Abraham is that he sets up this covenant and think about this in terms of, of like a contract um, with him. And in doing so, Usually, both parties would take, take part in that. And so Abraham and God, you would think that like, they would agree upon this thing together. One person has this responsibility, the other person has this responsibility. And that's, that's what you do when you go into a covenant with someone. But in fact, and this is, again, Genesis 12 through 17, you can read about all of this and how this happens. In fact, when, when God enters into this covenant with Abraham, he doesn't have Abraham actually have to fulfill any part of this covenant. And, and you've got to... You, Trust me, read it, and, and this, will, this will make more sense when you spend some time uh, looking at this and, and studying it on your own. But what he does is he puts Abraham into a, a deep sleep, and God is the one who says, not, not only am I going to enter into this agreement with you, but I'm going to take care of both sides of the equation with this agreement as well. And this is why we might hold on to joy and consider joy and how we're tempted maybe to be stuck by the trials and the temptations that we face because God's promises come from a place of taking care of both sides of the equation. Like it's not left to us and our own strength and our own power to get through those things that we go through in life. God has already promised to do those things for us. He tells Abraham that all nations will be blessed as a result of how God was blessing him. And like I mentioned earlier, Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of that. And we're invited into that same kind of covenant relationship in which God has taken care of both sides of the equation. We're the sinners, and yet Jesus, who knew no sin, committed no sin, didn't deserve any consequences of our sin, bore our failures on his shoulders bore our circumstances, our consequences on his shoulders so that we might not have to face the ultimate consequence of separation from God who loves us and calls us to himself. It's really interesting that Abraham and his descendants were given the sign of circumcision as a representation of the covenant God had made and his followers of Jesus were presented with the sign, the symbol of baptism. And within the picture of what that means, the symbolic burial of our sin and our old selves, the raising to life of the new creation sustained by the gift of the Holy Spirit indwelling in us, that picture is a reminder to us that not only we're saying yes to Jesus, 
but that the holy, sovereign, creator, savior God is saying yes to us. Faith for every circumstance comes from relying on God to be the author and sustainer of our faith. He takes care of both sides of the equation. Right after the faith chapter in Hebrews chapter 11, we read this in Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This results in some of the extraordinary measures of compassion, forgiveness, and love that we might not otherwise find strength for when things are not going our way. And yet those are the results of following Jesus in our lives and dealing with the things that we have to deal with. These times come as disciples of Jesus. I mean, the, the ups and downs of life, like they're, they're inevitable. But through faith, they become the vehicle through which God's provision becomes known. And, and when this, this is put into practice, I, I mean, it, it, it's, it's not something that, at least for me, like I can see through and say, oh man, this is, this is how God has designed this and perfectly laid this out. And I totally understand this and have all the answers for those things. But looking at the end results, like throughout history constantly of how people have put this type of faith into practice, have been consistent and steadfast in that type of faith, like I, I see what, what God has done on the other side of it. And so I just want to give you one example of that, and it comes from a, a book that I read. This is one of my favorite missionary stories ever, and uh, it's called Exodus to a Hidden Valley. It's written by Eugene Morse, and it's about this family, this missionary family who uh, first started out in China, and this is like this, what I'm going to talk about is a little bit post-World War II through the 60s, and they got kicked out of China, out of communist China. Uh, they were told to leave, so they ended up going to, to Burma. And then the Burmese government was going to kick them out as well. And there are a lot of things that happened that brought them to this place. But this family, instead of being able to leave because of sickness and travel arrangements and some other things, they actually went through this group of refugees that they were working with that had Christians that were part of it but were working with a specific people group. They actually went with this people group deep in the Burmese jungle and were there for six years. And, and one of the things that's really fascinating about the book is this is the equivalent of the missionary Swiss family Robinson. I mean, it, like they talk about all the things that they had to do to survive, the ways that they had to learn uh, how to live in, in this context. And you think, you know, why in, the why in the world would you put your kids through this, you know, have yourself in this kind of situation? And, and the reason that they did it and time and time again is, is that they exercised their faith. They put their faith into practice and they saw God show up. And they saw God pull through. And they were there in that jungle with that people group for six years. After six years, they were found by the Burmese government, and they were kicked out, and they were deported. And you think, man, all those things, like, how, how, how does that make sense, like, that, that that's the end result of all that, that they sacrificed, they, they did all these things, and you think, you know, did this really accomplish uh, much to, to put yourself through all those things to be faithful in that kind of difficult cir circumstance? Um, 20 years later, as they looked back on the impact of, of that ministry and the, and the work that they did and like living with those people and, and um, working with that refugee group, and um, they, they kind of looked and, and just did, 
did some statistic taking of uh, you know, what the impact had been of, of that work in that, in that place in their time. And so basically what, what occurred during that time is now, like 20, at that time, 20 years later, so we're talking about mid-80s, is that not only were there thousands, like over 3,000 Christians as part of that refugee group now, but there are also hundreds of churches, 400 churches of, of people gathering together as a result of them being willing to, for who knows what reason in their lives at that time, but to be faithful and follow God into the jungle with those people for six years. And, and so, you, like, you might not think of your life in terms of, like, well, I'm not planning on going into, you know, Burma and into a jungle and, and being a missionary. Um, however, you will undersell your life if you don't think that as a disciple of Jesus, the impact your faithfulness and the circumstances you have won't have the same ripple effect throughout the kingdom of God and the scope of eternity and how it impacts people's lives. Because I guarantee you that on the other side of eternity, when we're sharing the life that God always wanted for us to share with each other in community with him, that there are going to be conversations, there are going to be interactions with people and the impact that you've made on your life that you had no clue that you had throughout the course of history, um, even long after you and I are dead and gone, that God has used our faithfulness and him strengthening us to have that kind of faith that, that have impacted people in ways that we could never expect or understand. Because that's how God moves. That's how God works. That, that story is told continuously throughout the Bible and is still being told continually today. That when we're faithful, regardless of the circumstances, um, we, we can do so because we know God has already been faithful. And he's already won the victory over those circumstances. And he simply invites us to experience that alongside with him. To be a partner in that with him. To be able to share that same experience with others so they can enter into that same joy, uh, regardless of the circumstance in their life as well. That's what we're gifted through Jesus and understanding what he's come to do uh, for us and what he continues to do as a living sacrifice for us. Uh, and, and this is how God operates when we're willing to live our life based on faith. And so I just want to, I just want to, um, if you want to grow or jumpstart your faith, uh, a faith that will be steadfast through the ups and downs of life, I just simply want you to ask yourself this question. And I know this is coming from the negative, but, but, but there's a reason. What am I doing? Who am I being? Where am I going that's not built on faith in God? Because those things, the things in those areas in our life that aren't built on faith in God, those are the things that are holding you back. That, that, that's what it is. And, and when we adjust those things, when we c consider those things in a different light, the way that God calls us to consider those things and view those things, the perspective he calls us to have, the more we build on this foundation of faith in the everyday, the more we'll be able to rely on it, on any of the moments that might show up in our life that threaten to shake our resolve, knowing that we've already put our trust in the one who's won the victory in what truly matters. And that's the kind of faith that we're all called into. And I just want to mention to you, if, if you're new uh, to this or even this idea of being a disciple of Jesus, having faith in this type of way, uh, maybe, maybe you have some questions for that. That's, that's why we're here. 
And so uh, whoever brought you here with them uh, to church this morning, like talk to them about that, have that conversation. Uh, I would love to have that conversation with you, whatever that looks like. Maybe it's jumpstarting your faith. Uh, maybe it's growing your faith. Maybe it's starting it uh, for the first time ever. And maybe this idea of like entering into this covenant relationship with God that he, that he calls us into, this uh, uh, baptism, this washing away of all the old uh, stuff and, and living a different life, a new life, a more whole and complete life is something that you'd love to talk to more. Well, at least I would love to talk with you more about that um, and would love to, to hear from you in that. In the meantime, uh, be encouraged that there are, there are Christians around the globe that are being faithful to God and he is, he is showing up as we live out uh, our faith together. Let's pray. God, um, sometimes it would be so much easier if we could just kind of put everything in a nice little box and say, man, if we just do these five things, like everything will be perfect. Um, and, and yet we know that we don't have the strength or the power to, to make that happen. And so, God, even, even though life isn't, isn't perfect, uh, like all our ducks don't always stay in a row, uh, and we have, to, we have to deal with unexpected things, uh, things that um, maybe cause, cause doubt, uh, maybe things that um, just, just hurt in this life, God, we thank, we thank you for uh, promising to be there through those things. Um, we thank you for the steadfastness that you promised to us uh, that we can be uh, that we can be confident in relying on you uh, through through this life, and that you will always pull through. God, we praise uh, you for that. We place our hope and trust and faith in that, as you lead us and you guide us through your Holy Spirit. Uh, we praise you, and uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.